are you? If you are here, you're in the right place. I'm Danny Tan. I'm a leadership and career coach, and I am here with Michelle, who is also an amazing, badass, cool, all the things leadership coach. And so I'm going to give myself a quick intro, and then I'm going to let Michelle intro herself because she has such a cool background and such amazing experience. I will not do it justice. So I want her to do justice for it. Um, so if you have been here before, great. If not, and you're new, a little bit about me. So I'm a career and leadership coach. I started doing this because throughout my career and throughout my experience, I'm first gen. So I'm first gen in the sense to graduate college with my immediate family. I'm first gen in the sense to be born in the United States. I'm Puerto Rican, Filipino, and Chinese very proudly. So I'm an Asian Latino leader. And I ended up doing a lot of firsts as many of us do, right? So first to figure out the college experience, first to figure out my career experience, I ended up pivoting so many industries. I was in sales, PR, merchandising, e-commerce. And even while doing all those pivots, you might be like, well, girl, you fell way behind. Nope, there's a process. And so I was able to go from a sample coordinator to a VP of a billion dollar company with 11 promotions in 11 years. And while it was hard, um, the most rewarding piece probably is all the people that I get to meet along the way and help them excel in their career. So a big thing that I do now is support you if you're looking for a career pivot, a promotion, learning how to be a leader at any level. That's my jam just because it can be super tough and tricky, especially in some of the environments that we're in. Um, so how can I help you do that? That's what I do. And I believe in community and role models. You don't have to do it alone. Why do it alone? That being said, I'm not doing this alone today. So I have Michelle here. Michelle, go ahead. Say hello. Hello, hello. My name is Michelle Cejas. I am from the Central Valley of California. I am a Mexicana, Venezolana. Uh, grew up, though, in a farm worker community, and so that kind of became the trajectory of my career. I went into K-12 education um, as a bilingual education teacher, had no plans of doing anything other than that, and career and life happened, and I ended up becoming a high school principal, started to have aspirations of becoming a superintendent someday, and then burnout, stress, all these things took over. And I actually ended up leaving K-12 after about 15 years and took a six month sabbatical, which I'm sure we're gonna get real deep into in this conversation, um, where I completely pivoted my life. And now I'm using pivot because I just heard Danny say it. Transform my <laughs> life, all the words you wanna use. Um, and during that time, I wrote a dream job description that ended up becoming the career that came after. I ended up moving into the nonprofit space. I joined the Surge Institute and was the founding executive director of their offices in Oakland. And I tell folks that was my first foray and step into like really owning my purpose. Since then, I now have moved into being a full-time entrepreneur and I have my own coaching business. And that has become the next level of the evolution and the refinement of my purpose, which I'm sure we'll get into too. It is not a one and done exercise to figure out your purpose in life. And now I am a trauma-informed leadership coach. I do one-on-one -on -one coaching with leaders of color, supporting them with finding value in their strengths, growing their confidence and having a clear vision for their life and career. And then I also have a group coaching program called the Chingona Sabbatical, which is based off of the sabbatical experience I had, where I support Latinas in really stepping out, finding some rest while not having to quit their job and figuring out what their purpose in life is and how they want to make some pivots and transitions in their life um, to have a purpose-driven life. Yay! Awesome. I'm so excited to have you. I'm so excited to talk about sabbaticals too. I think that's a really, really interesting piece. So for today's topic, identifying burnout and building boundaries. Um, 
Yeah. I mean, where do we even begin? I know Michelle touched on some things that she'll probably dive deeper into. I will just share from personal experience and also some things that have some themes that popped up this week with some clients. Um, so for me personally, uh, being first gen, being the first of my family to do what it was that I was doing, I would say I went from a space of very much survival mode. Um, environment was like living paycheck to paycheck, hoping that you could like make things work and make ends meet. So for me, my career trajectory was very much like do whatever it takes to be able to feel safe financially. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like I was running like a million miles per hour. And I was like, no vacation, no break, no days off. You're sick. You go in, you work. And that only works for so long. And so I ended up getting really sick. So I had like digestive issues. I had like anxiety, not the like, you know, those things go away forever, but all of the body ailments, mental ailments were like popping up being like, girl, you got to slow down. And so I definitely went on a path of, I went into um, yoga teacher training. And so I did yoga certification. I was like, oh, breathing deep, slowing down. Hmm. Uh, and so that's kind of where my first little bump into being like, maybe I need to like reset where I'm at and reevaluate my burnout. So I would say that's something that came up for me for sure was from survival mode to trying to like level set. And then I have some clients this week who are like, and I'm sure you could probably identify this too, Michelle, type A overachievers, go-getters, like <laughs> go-to gals for everything can crush anything that's given to them. And so the big practice this week was like to pause just just to pause before we accept anything additional that's coming our way and to reevaluate and to see if it's serving our greater goal. But I'll stop there because I just said a lot of words. Yes, and I have a lot of thoughts. We're both fast talkers too. We'll fly through a lot of stuff. <laughs> um, so first thing that comes to mind is you said survival. And so on Instagram, my handle is Thriving Chingona. The, the folks who are in my community, I refer to as a Thriving Chingona. Oh, I didn't wear my necklace today, but they all get a Thriving Chingona uh, nameplate necklace. And that concept actually came from this identity that so many of us have, um, especially as first gen, of being grounded in, you know, people say Chingona como mi madre, Chingona como mi abuela. And I was actually with working with my coach and um, and I was saying like, I don't know, like I really struggle to claim that identity because I feel like it continues to put us in this place of always being proud of having to be resilient and gritty. And I'm tired of being resilient and I'm tired of being gritty. And so we kind of like, so I remember like talking this out with my coach and being like, we got to evolve this. Like, yes, my grandmother came here undocumented came across with a coyote while she had two kids and a, my mom in her belly. Like, yes, she is like hella chingona, but that's not the reality I live. And I'm living as though I'm still in this place where like my full life, my existence depends on me constantly having to be in fight mode. So I was like, I want to believe that she did all of that for me to actually be in a place where being chingona for me is not because I'm resilient and gritty, but being chingona for me gets to be that I actually am in ease and in purpose and get to kind of evolve what she brought, you know, her bringing us here. And, you know, stories also for my mom working three jobs at some point and all of that, that was not in service of me also working 24 seven. It was in service of me being able to create a different reality. So I talk, you know, a lot about moving from surviving chingona to thriving chingona, and that's truly us honoring our ancestors and evolving what it means to be chingonas. And to the burnout piece, I think so much of my identity as a leader in the K-12 space was that I 
you know, was like, oh, I can be available 24 seven. Oh, I can get things done and, and wanting to be that person who could kind of get through all the hard stuff. But then like for me, the way it panned out was I actually started getting chest pains and I was home one night. I had finished up. I used to, you know, say like I finished up my first round and then would go home. Maybe I'd go to the gym, have dinner and then come home, open my laptop and start like my second round of work. And I was sitting on the couch and I could feel like tingling on my left arm. And I remember I was like, holy shit, is this a heart attack? Like, is this what people talk about? Mm. And I kind of sat there. I was home alone. I was just sitting there and I just kind of sat still for a while. And then I was, I closed my laptop and I remember I was like, I'm just going to go to bed because if I die, I'll die in my sleep. Totally went to bed. And what did I do the next morning? I got up, I got ready and I went back to work like if nothing had happened. And I remember like kind of being like, Michelle, this is not okay. So I scheduled a doctor's appointment and I was walking out to the doctor's appointment and I happened to pass by um, a higher leader in the org, I will say. And when I passed by them, I, they, I was like, hey, I'm going to have to miss the afternoon meeting, explained what had happened. I'm going to go see a doctor. And their response was, it's part of the job. And I remember it was another moment of like, so I'm going to die if I continue to follow this route. Like, su like maybe superintendency is not worth it. It's not the place for me. This is not where I am going to continue this journey. And that was like a series of events that kept happening that were like, my body was no longer letting me ignore, which now I know a lot more about like nervous system and all these other things. But my body was saying like, get the hell out. You need to reframe like how you see work, how you see life. Um, and that's where this whole idea of like, I want to evolve what it means to be chingona means because we can't keep putting our identities on like hard living and everything needing to be difficult. Like how do we find like-minded folks who are other Latinas who are in this space who are like, I'm tired of that shit. And I want to figure out what it means to actually be able to live a life where I have more ease and I get to be creative and energized and joyful and like all the other things that we don't usually say when we define ourselves. Oh, yeah. I mean, the big thing that I have repeating in my brain while you're, um, talking about that is like this badge it's I feel like the first piece for me was like and I'm just thinking about the folks that um I help coaches it's like we were all told like have this badge about being the hardest working person it's really something you should be proud of and it's something you should be dedicated to of like oh you get home and you're like yeah I had a really hard day it's like you're not allowed to or you feel like you're not allowed to just be at ease and to be happy depending on what your environment was or your conditioning or your upbringing and so you feel like it has to constantly be working hard and a struggle and that you're putting everything in. And, and if you're not, then what are you doing here? Because this is your opportunity. This is your chance. And so I think the first piece is what, how do we get comfortable removing the badge and being like, it's okay. I don't need to have that to know that I can work hard. I actually can be good at what I do and not have to be putting myself in conditions like that in order to do it. I think that's one thing. And I think the other piece is what you were saying too, of like, the phys like the physical piece is like we're so in this energy of keep pushing through, keep getting it done, go, 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 that we actually start to ignore our intuition, ignore our needs, ignore what what we know is right for us. And we get so comfortable ignoring it that then all these things start popping up and you're like, wait a minute, what's happening? Like there must be something wrong. And like depending on your mm, style of how you take care of yourself. Like we, we pull different things to self-medicate that or we ignore it or we go to the doctor and they're like, oh no, it's no big deal. But in reality, it's your, you know, your mind, your body, your soul telling you like you need to reset. And so I think for me, it's like the first phase, the first phase is 
how do you re release having to have that like honor that badge? How do you identify um, what your body and your mind and your soul, what it is that you need? And then from that point on, it's like, hopefully you're going to start to see the rewards of that of, oh, okay, actually it is, it is safe to not have to push yourself to these limits in order to see success. And I think we're always like, we use this word a lot because we're both in this NRC mastermind, find the evidence, right? Like you need to find the evidence to be like, oh wait, it's okay for me to be here. So yeah. Yeah. So I'll start with like the systemic piece and then I'll move to the personal piece. Cause something that um, in that is partly, yes, we hold that badge because it's part of our experience, but also we hold that badge because it's what we've been rewarded for. Mm. So like the thing that comes to mind is, so when I was in the nonprofit world, the work that we did at Surge was supporting um, Black, Latinx and Asian Pacific Islander education leaders. And we would do 360s. And every single group, I mean, I don't know what the data is now, but I can tell you for the time that I was there and I used to compare it to, you know, data in other locations as well. Um, the 360 data was consistent every single cohort the highest scores that they would get from their boss, their colleagues, external partners, all of that was hardworking, mission-driven, care about kids. And the lowest scores would always be strategy, management, and all the things that actually they look for. And this is all the work you do, right? Like that folks are looking for when you get promoted. Mm -hmm. So we are celebrated and honored because we work our asses off but where is the part where it clicks for organizations and the systems that we're in to say, how do I help this person to move beyond just being a hard worker to actually being able to be more strategic minded in the work that they're doing and make sure that they're going to get promoted? How do we help this person to think more about relationships when they're managing people so we can help them to lead with that and then also get promoted? So I feel it's like a lot of times as folks of color, it's like people actually want us to be hard workers and to continue in that identity because then maybe we're not going to ask for much more. We're just going to keep working and kind of doing our thing off to the side. We aren't pushing against the system and we aren't trying to change the realities of what our work looks like and what the you know place that we're in looks like. So I think there's that part, like being able to own where like the places that we're in actually want us to continue to be these people who are stressed out, burned out and not doing what's best for us, because then there's some thoughts about where you're at. Right. Which is both of us help people get out of those situations. And then I, and then on the internal part, like I think there is the place where. Like, I never want to dishonor, like, what came before me and where that part comes within me. Like, I will always name, like, the the difficulties, the life and the ways that my ancestors persevered in all the ways. My parents have as well. Um, but then where does that mean that it transitions and it evolves with me? Mm -hmm. And so to your part about models, I mean, honestly, like, for a lot of folks, I remember I used to actually hear this when I was a principal and I still hear it now. I used to have these young Latinas. I remember, I think they were like sophomores. There was this crew who used to kind of follow me around when I first became a principal. And, you know, I'm thinking like, I'm an older person. These 14, 15 year old kids aren't trying to hang with me. And they'd be like, can we just have lunch with you in your office? I'd be like, you want to just hang out with me? And they'd be like, yeah. I'd be like, okay. And I remember they would say like, we don't have tias like you. I was divorced, didn't have kids. I traveled the world. Anytime we were not in school, I was hopping on a plane to go somewhere. You know, I have all these friends and this stuff. It was just like this life that they had not seen before. And I remember I used to be like, oh, that's sweet. But then it continued. I would do talks with college students and I get a line of college students who would say, I don't know anybody else like you. And then, and so it's kind of been this theme where like, there's a curiosity that people have, like, what does it look like to build a life where you have the freedom to walk away when things don't serve you? 
What does it look like to have a life where you get to spend most of your time doing the things that actually, you know, light you up and make you happy? And also people always know, and Danny and I are aligned with this, get paid. Like, I'm also not doing this to be broke. I'm doing this and getting paid. So like, what does it look like to find ease and joy and abundance and not have to follow the traditional route? And so, you know, sometimes when I'm on calls with folks who are interested in Chingo on a sabbatical, they'll say, I got my degree, I got the job, I'm making money, you know, maybe they bought a house and did all the things and I'm not happy and I don't know why. And so listen to that message within you because that's where the tension lies, where it's like, I am going too far in a direction that is not serving me or to the part earlier, like your body may be saying, like you are overwhelmed, burned out and it's time for you to slow down and really like start to check in with yourself on what you really need right now. And also the other thing I'll point out is like age matters too. Like I'm a mid 40 year old woman now, like the energy and the excitement I had to be at a 24 seven job, you know, in my thirties is not here now. (laughs) I also say like, if you're in a place where like, it's still serving you, get your experience, go out there and try all the things and everything. But I think folks get to a certain stage where that starts to not be fun and exciting anymore. And that's when people are seeking something else and wanting to know what it looks like to totally pivot their life. And that's totally fine too. You can love it and enjoy it then. Like I didn't hate 15 years of being in K-12, but there came a point where there was lots of signs that it was time to transition into a new life, which is what's, you know, happened since then. Yeah. Oh, there's like so many different threads in that. I don't even know where to begin, but um, I guess the two things that come to mind would be the piece about how we are rewarded for being super hardworking, dedicated, all those amazing things. And then it's the, what is the word I want to use? Maybe like the breaking point, the tipping point to get us into leadership roles, right? So that's a big transition that ends up coming up is that majority of women that I work with come to me and they're like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to be seen as a leader. I'm ready to go into a manager role, a director role, a VP role. And I just need to figure out how to get there. Like we've had the conversations, I do all the things, but for some reason I'm just not getting promoted. And it's just like, we talk about this too a lot is the things that got you to where you are of like being the the in the weeds, doer, get everything done, create the system, create the processes, isn't what's going to get you to a leadership role of being a manager, director, or VP or whichever. It's going to have to be, how can you pull up, see the big picture, see the strategy and be able to, you know, delegate and create larger goals and effect and influence within your organization, within your team, within your manager. And so I agree. No one's out there teaching it. They really are not teaching it. Um, And that's why there's leadership coaches and career coaches um, trying to help and support that. That's why, you know, both of our missions, especially my mission is just trying to give all those tools as possible because to your next point, right, is the more representation that there are in higher leadership roles, the more possibility, the more role models, the more ability that we are able to affect, impact, and create change in the community, which is why I'm like so freaking annoying about it. And we'll repeat the same thing to the test of time because the reason why I even got into coaching was folks saying, hey, I don't identify with anybody in a leadership role right now. I identify with you, similar to what you're saying, right? Um, And so I kind of want to like figure out how you got there. And it's such a like, it's a bummer in the sense that it's like that, but also there's just so much opportunity. There's so much opportunity in how we can really grow and make some everything so much better. Um, anyway, but that's me being super optimistic. Uh, but yeah. Well, I mean, 
yes, I want to be optimistic as well. But here's the thing I would add to that. And I know some people don't like it when I say this. And I think I shared with you, I had a talk where I said this, but like sometimes representation doesn't matter because of all yes. spaces where folks of color have been promoted and do the same thing to other folks of color that happened to them. Right. So I also am going to expect you to do all the things and not give you credit. I'm going to not allow you to get promoted because I can't, I'm going to be the only one. And we should also not like, we can be realistic that that's what it is, that maybe I am the only Latina in the space, but I should not be okay with the fact that I am there and I should be looking to see how I can support other folks. So but I think that also goes to a lot of what we've been talking about. Like when you're tapping into self, you're asking yourself, why did I do the thing I did? If you're getting clear on your nervous system and noticing the ways that you're like kind of at whack sometimes and you're kind of like, oh, whoa, whoa, I got to check in with myself, bring myself back down. I think those are the places where we can also check in to say, like when I show up as a leader, what are the things that are not feeling okay for me? And what are the things that I need to actually sit with a coach and work through to make sure that I'm doing different? So a lot of my clients are folks who sometimes just want to talk out, like, I want to do this thing, but I'm worried that, like, I'm going to push too far and change systems. And I'm kind of like, let's try it and see what happens. Or folks who are like, I'm too scared to, to you know, push the envelope. So I think I want to just keep doing things the way they are. And I'm there to kind of be like, how can we figure out just to push it at least a little bit? Because I feel like, yes, we want more folks of color in higher leadership positions, but I want you there because you're actually going to do differently. You're going to be thinking about how to change what it all looks like. You're going to be able to create things that are, are more equitable or more open for more people to engage. And so I feel like in my coaching, it's like, let's get you there, but let's also make sure that you're going to do something differently once you're there and you're going to be able to sustain there for as long as possible because you're doing this constant checking in with yourself and making sure that you have a clear vision of what you're trying to do and you're working towards that. Because I think there's a lot of folks who also can get moved into leadership quickly. Their head is spinning. They're not really sure what they're trying to do. And then they don't last either because then it's like, this is too much. It's overwhelming. Or they piss everybody off. And then like they're out as soon as they got there. So like, how do we help our people to do differently and actually sustain? Yeah. And ditto. And but of course, whenever I work with someone for leadership, there is a three approach plan that we do for their leadership, which I'm sure folks probably do this, but I'm going to just restate it. There is leadership for yourself. So how do you show up as a leader for yourself? That's like phase one. Number two is how are you a leader for your team? And then phase three is how are you a leader for your organization? Because if you can't lead yourself, you're not leading anybody else. If mm -hmm. you can't create boundaries for yourself, if you can't create systems and processes for yourself, if you can't advocate for yourself, it's going to be really hard for you to do the next thing and to advocate and create systems and create boundaries for your team. So anybody that I'm working with, like you don't get to just get promoted and lead yourself. You're leading everybody else. Like I want you in there creating change for mm -hmm. you, for your team and for your organization. Because the third piece is now you have your team backed up. You've got you backed up. How can you create influence and impact within your organization? Because we're not here just to like get paid, get promoted. That's really great. We're here to change corporate norms. Like it's busted. It's broken. It's old school. It doesn't need to be that way. Not all organizations are like that, but like I've seen a lot that are. And so if you're going in there and you're working with me and we're working with Michelle, we're going to make waves. It's like, it's not for like little, you know, just for me, me, me stuff. My mission also is not just for me. It's for the greater community. So just got to say yeah. that. I was like, I just have to say that. And I think like there's this balance between, because I feel like that would come up, it's come up a lot in a lot of different spaces is yes, like but how do we help people to do that and still be able to keep their job? Assuming they want to, because some people may decide. I've also had people who are kind of like, you know what? I'm pushing it and nobody's listening and I don't want to be here anymore because that's what they want to be doing. 
let's find you another place to be. But for some folks, I think it's also just like, sometimes it's like, there's so much fear to push the envelope because they're like, I'm going to get fired. Nobody's going to talk to me. My boss isn't going to like me or whatever the thing is that then it's like, I'm not going to do anything or I'm going to go so hard that like, they're going to fire me. And if you're down for that, do it. But also how do we make sure that you've got a plan for that too? And that you're going to have a place to go afterwards or you have some folks who are supporting you along the way. So yes. And I think the other part is, is like we help people to really be thoughtful in like the strategic piece of it in terms yes. so that you can make change and also still have a job. Yeah. Assuming you still want it. Yeah. So assuming you still want it. Assuming you still want it and you want to be there if you want to go somewhere else. And let's just say like making ways, making a change could be something as simple as I have one client who was 24-7 on Slack all the time. Her big change was putting limitations to when she got notifications and she felt like her life changed. So I'm like, that's a great big way for you right there. I'm fine with that. And then her manager stopped messaging her at all different hours of the day because she had set the standard. Then her team felt like that. So I was like, when I say like, figure out what your wave is, yeah. but wait, cause I know we're already coming up time. We have so many things to grab about forever. Can we talk about sabbaticals? <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. I forgot we were going to talk about that <laughs> conversation. Um, yes. Let's talk about sabbaticals. Um, so yeah, so when I came to the, and you know, that like it evolved because I really had no plan going into it. Now I obviously have created a plan and I support other folks, but honestly, like that story about like the, the tingling in the arm and like, oh my gosh. So when I went to the doctor, the doctor was like, you're totally fine. Like your heart's great. You're healthy. You're good. And I'm like, then why is this happening? And anyway, in the end, obviously stress. So I ended up deciding to wrap up that last year and then take a sabbatical. I had no plan for what I was going to do during that time. I wasn't sure how long it was going to be. I just knew how much money I had saved and like how long I could sustain myself. And I honestly thought it was just going to come to me. So I, one of the parts of the trip was, or part of the journey was I did take off to Europe for three weeks and went to Rome, Barcelona and Paris and thought like, you know, I'll come back and it all makes sense. I remember I was chatting with my parents because I also had to have this conversation with my parents about like, hey, your daughter first to get a college degree and have this like, you know, job and big aspirations is actually walking away from it all with zero plan. Thankfully, they were they had no idea what I was doing, but they were like, we support you. We know you're going to figure this out. And I remember my dad was kind of I don't know how I worded it, but my dad did at one point say to me, like, no entiendo, like, ¿qué quiere decir? you're going to go find yourself. Like the words I was, I mean, I honestly, like the words I was using, I'm sure I had heard somewhere else. Like I didn't even know what that meant, but I thought it was just going to happen. And what happened on that trip was like, I got to Italy and I remember getting to my room that first night and my whole body hurt. Like, I remember I was doing all these yoga moves and what, and I was just like, how the hell am I going to walk around Europe for the next three weeks? Like my whole body felt like it kind of shut down. I get to Barcelona. It rained the entire time. I still got out and about, but it wasn't this like movie vision that I had in my head. I got to Paris and I thought like, okay, I'm just gonna be sitting at a cafe and it's gonna hit me. And that's not what happened. And ultimately like the trip was lovely, but I had to come home and actually do the work. Like I had to actually sit with myself. I had to journal and meditate and read books and seek mentorship from other people and talk to other folks who had taken time away from work before. Um, thankfully, one of my best friends had actually had a four month sabbatical. She had done a couple years before. So I was like calling her to be like, this is what it feels like. This is uncomfortable. And she was able to kind of like calm me in mom moments when I was just kind of like, what the hell am I doing? But what happened was, is after I, I actually slowed down and took time to intentionally like check in with myself and figure stuff out, I ended up writing this dream job description that now I walk through a lot of folks through doing as well. 
And that's what emerged. Like when I go back and look at that journal, because I still read it periodically, like 90% of what I wrote about ended up being the life that came from the on the other side of that sabbatical. And then, you know, I tell folks like figuring out my purpose wasn't like a one and done. So that was the beginnings of it. I knew I wanted to focus more time with folks of color. I knew that coaching and mentorship was my favorite part of being in K-12 and like all these other things that turned into now I get to work at the Surge Institute and I get to work with Black, uh, Latinx and Asian Pacific Islander education leaders. I am the person that they can call when they're getting ready to walk into an important meeting. We had a fellowship program where we supported them on their career journeys. Like it was all the stuff that I had wanted to do. I just didn't know that it was going to be called that and that's what it was going to be. And then it kept like, as I kept leaning into it, it kept evolving and it kept refining. And then it turned into, I want to build something for Latinas. Then it turned into, I want to be able to just spend most of my time coaching. And so like starting my own business a few years ago was in like the next iteration of that. So that sabbatical gave me the space to slow down, check in with myself, learn what it meant to actually like listen to intuition, tap into my body actually build a vision for what I wanted for my life because so much of what had happened in the first 15 years of my career was just stuff that like people kept saying, you should apply for this. Okay. And then I was successful. You should apply for this. Okay. I can't say that it was super intentional on my part, how my career kind of rolled out in the beginning. I will say since the sabbatical, everything has been thoughtful and intentional and about a larger vision for my life. And so now, you know, I think to how many Latinas will never be able to take six months off and completely walk away from a job and the majority of life responsibility to just like fully do this work. So Chingona sabbatical has become like, I basically took that six months and it's evolved as I've met more and more Latinas who've participated in the program and now can hold this container where you can still have a job, although some of them are actually women who've completely left their job and have support on a weekly basis for six months to close the door, tell the partner, tell the kids, tell work, I'm not available. And then I'm there to support you and guide you with, you know, lessons and worksheets and coaching. And I bring in other Latina coaches who come in and share as well and help kind of guide folks to be able to really like slow down and check in with like, what are the parts of my life that have been great up to this point? And I want to continue them. And what does that look like? What are the parts of my life that are no longer serving me? And what does it look like to actually start to make some decisions about removing or transitioning some things to a new version and really being able to start creating a new vision for your life? And not enough folks get that space. And I like to believe that if more Latinas had a sabbatical in their life at some point, hopefully multiple sabbaticals, that we would be able to be transitioning into that life that has less of this identity around resilience and grit and has more of an identity around purpose and ease and abundance and intentionality and community, right? Like to the comments that so many folks were like, I don't have a tia like you, or I don't know someone like you. Well, guess what? I've got a community called the Thriving Chingonas and they're like-minded Latinas who are also soul searching, who also want to know what their purpose in life is and want to support each other to make that happen. And I just really feel like we'd have a lot more happy people if we all got to take sabbaticals. I love it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I was like, I was, I was telling Michelle before we got on, I was like, I wish I knew you years ago. Um, but such a beautiful journey. So, so good. So um, Michelle, if folks want to find your connect with you, where should they go? Yes. Well, you can, as I mentioned earlier, you can find me on Instagram at Thriving Chingona and on there, you know, sharing all the things and up here on LinkedIn as well. So please feel free to follow me here on LinkedIn. And it's the same name that you see there. And in both spaces, I just share regularly around thoughts around Latinas and leadership, um, talk about sabbaticals and us being able to evolve from surviving chingonas to thriving chingonas. 
Um, I also have a weekly email. So if you head to my website, which is michellesejas.com or the links in my bio um, at on Instagram or it's here in my banner, um, you can hop on there and you can sign up for my email list. And Chingona Sabbatical is opening again in January. Registration will be open for cohort number six. And I'm excited to welcome in a whole new crew of, of Latinas who are ready for their purpose journey. So if you'd like to learn more about that, you can also learn more here on LinkedIn, or on Instagram, or join the email list, and you'll get plenty of information through my emails as well. Yay, amazing. So it was super, super great talking. And just to recap for everyone here, when it comes to burnout and boundaries and all of that jazz, you know, step one, just kind of listen, listen to yourself, recheck in with yourself, reevaluate, do some self-reflection. What's kind of coming up from you? How are you reacting? How are, how is your body? How's your mind hundred soul when it comes to when you're at work, when it comes to you're doing a certain activity, what is it do you think that you need in order to slow down or support yourself? Like Michelle said, like reflecting and whether that may be journaling, whether that be trying to do deep breathing, moving your body. Um, we do nervous system work. So it just depends on like, choose your, choose your one. Um, but to kind of find a slow down and once you start to reset and settle out, that's when all the other things will start to come. But I think the biggest piece is being able to start to identify that um, and reflect upon it. But we're here for you. Um, and thank you so much for joining us. I also have a program that is launching for career pivots, promotions, and leadership. So if you're looking to change careers, if you're looking to get promoted, or if you're looking to be a leader at any level, I have a 12-month group program for women who are looking to do that. It starts January 8th. So I think I have my link in the comments. Just go ahead and book a call with me. We can chit chat about it. But the biggest thing that comes up from this entire conversation too is I see career pivots come up a lot because maybe we were following a path that we thought was set out for us. And then we realized that it's not really the path that we want ends up coming out that uh, we end up pivoting something that we're more passionate about, which is really, really interesting uh, based off of this entire conversation that we just had. Um, I always make the joke that when I was growing up, I wanted to be a psychologist and I wanted to be a teacher, but I was put in a different path myself as well as whatever way. And ironically, now I'm a coach. So we can all pivot at any point in our lives. Anyway, um, it was super, super great talking and thank you. Bye. Bye.